1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000
0: grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCANWin.com.au slash BSV.
2: For all winter, he's the voice of sport in our This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the
1: panel. And the panel this morning, I'm pleased to say, consists of Alex Chapman and Brad Lewis. Uh, Good morning to you both, uh, Alex. First of all, I can start with you. It is official. Uh, Dame uh, Lisa Carrington will be representing us in the K1 500 after an epic, epic battle uh, with Amy Fisher. Tell us a wee bit about it.
0: Yeah, epic. a uh, Very suitable wordsmithing. Morning to you. Morning, Bloss. Uh, I, I was really fortunate, actually. It's going to be, I think, one of those moments that I look back on to be down at Lake Carapero and see... Two absolute titans of canoe sprint battling it out, and it really is unfortunate that only one of them can go to the world championships. But Carrington again, once again, showing her class, and it was really tricky conditions. Talking to to both the paddlers and also to Gordon Walker, Lisa's coach afterwards, that it was kind of a straight up and down, uh, up and down tailwind, um, really bumpy, bouncy sort of conditions, and in the end, those conditions proved it a little bit too much for Amy Fisher. She lost control of the boat, kind of about the 50-metre mark to go, uh, and that was when, as Carrington often does, pounce. She is such a good finisher in that canoe, and, and once again, proving why she's won five Olympic gold medals.
1: I can only think, uh, as you say, it's just sad that Amy Fisher can't go in, in that particular uh, discipline as well, and have two bites at the cherry. But I can only think this is great for kayaking going forward.
0: Oh, absolutely! And, and yeah, the crowd yesterday was something out, out of a, almost a world championship event. It was um, plenty of support for Amy Fisher. I have to note uh, not not as much for Carrington as there was. And I think the fact that she was the underdog, we do love an underdog in New Zealand sport, but. Yeah, it, it can only be a good thing. And now the question, you know, straight after the race, it was already being posed on social media, what's it going to take for these two to be in a K2 together or even a K4 alongside a couple of others, like sort of um, Caitlin Ryan when she returns from maternity leave. Um, it, it, it essentially means that Amy Fisher will probably have to return to this high-performance program. We know the fact that almost two years to, to the day, I think it's May the 4th, um, that she chose to leave this Canoe Racing New Zealand high-performance program because of athlete welfare concerns. And talking to Amy yesterday, she's very much happy. Sorry if this wall mire outside my window is making too much noise, Smithy. But, um, yeah, she, mm. she is very much happy with her decision and stands by it. But Carrington and Fisher had a really good relationship. There was a lovely moment between them afterwards where Lisa said something. Neither of them want to share what it is, but Amy said quite loud, anytime, my girl. So, um, yeah, hopefully, plenty more years of this rivalry to come, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, just fantastic, and, and the great uh, spirit between them uh, is something uh, to cherish as well. Uh, Brad, uh, last Monday, um, Fury, Tyson Fury, the Gypsy <laughs> King, uh, was he was available to fight again, uh, but yesterday, being Thursday, he wasn't again. Uh, what can we expect over the weekend? What kind of announcement? <laughs>
2: Uh, look, I, I don't think Tyson Fury's done. My understanding is that, um, just speaking to a couple of people that are sort of in and around Tyson Fury, is that uh, this is all a ploy. He's got two big fights on the table. Uh, one is UFC champ Francis Ngannou in a hybrid fight that would be uh, held with UFC gloves inside a boxing ring, which is really, really interesting to me. Uh, and, um, I mean, Francis Ngannou looks like the predator. He just, um, the, he's just He's a scary-looking human. Uh, and he was uh, ringside, of course, for that um, fight against Dillian White he ended up being inside the ring and cut a promo on Dana White saying, pay me some money or I'm leaving, basically, uh, which is really interesting. And, and Tyson has often said he'd love to do a fight with the UFC champ to prove he's the baddest man on the planet. But I think ultimately, Smithy, and I said this to you last week, this is all a ploy from Tyson. To be the A side of the uh, heavyweight title fight against Usyk or Joshua, which will probably be Usyk. Mm. Um, but I think the sexier fight is Anthony Joshua. Um, but because he's only carrying the one belt plus the lineal championship, I guess the, the feeling is that you know the guy with the three titles is going to be the A side. I think Fury wants that 51% of the uh, of the purse, Smithy, and that that's what he's playing at here. He's got the Francis and carrot as well. So look, I don't I don't think he's done. I think his wife came out. Uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday, and said, "Look, he, um, I was still, you know," she said, "I'd like to see him be the the, the undisputed champion before he retires." So, uh, look, that fight is one away for him, and I can't see him hanging up the gloves without having that achieve that, which he which he will. He's the best fighter on the planet by a mile, and uh, he proved that again against Dillian White. He's proved it against Deontay Wilder, who's probably the second best in the world. Eustace is the future of the division, but I don't think he beats Tyson Fury.
1: I'm just envisaging this uh, Ngannou thing, um, this hybrid affair. I mean, Gip, the Gypsy King, uh, he's used to bare-knuckle fighting, so the size of the gloves probably doesn't matter to him. And, uh, and his jaw either, for that matter. He's copped a bit of skin on his jaw. So I, uh, how would you think that would go?
2: I think Tyson Fury would completely destroy Francis Ngannou, if I'm being completely honest. And that's coming from probably the biggest UFC fan in New Zealand, somebody I just... Uh, Francis is, doesn't have great cardio. He's he's not particularly quick. He does have ridiculous knockout power. Like he can knock you out with a finger. Um, I mean, he knocked out the greatest heavyweight champ, and Stephen Miocic, with a with a jab uh, to win the title. So, look, I I, um, I think that's 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 an easy night for for Tyson Fury as long as he avoids the sort of first two or three minutes of that fight. Uh, I'm not sure what the rules are around the times of the rounds. I think they were proposing a six-round, two-minute round fight, so six rounds over two minutes, which would kind of play into Francis's realm, and he wouldn't have to worry about takedowns, but I think Tyson would play with them, much like Floyd Mayweather played with Conor McGregor.
1: Okay, uh, fellas, if you just stay with us, uh, uh, be patient for a minute or two. We've got a, a bit of a break to take, and... Uh, when we come back, uh, we might be talking some Warriors with both of you, which is, all of a sudden has become quite a ballsy subject. Here's how to work with the 10.30 edition.
2: The panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, 10.32, and we're joined on the panel for part two by, by Alex Chapman and Brad Lewis. Uh, Alex, uh, an interesting weekend of Super Rugby uh, ahead of us because uh, all the Australian sides are actually on their home patches this week, as well as Fiji uh, Fiji and Drua being in Suva. So uh, I think that'll just add a little bit of flavour to what's coming up for the New Zealand sides. How do, you, how do you think it's going to pan out? More domination?
0: I know you like a flutter as much as anyone. I think there's actually good money to be made this week and on the Aussie teams beating a couple of Kiwi sides. The, the Brumbies not to be favoured against a somewhat understrength Hurricanes team. And then... Moana Pacifica are massive outsiders against the Rebels, who are the worst Australian team. So I I wouldn't be surprised if we walk away from this weekend with, and also the the Chiefs without Sam Kane. If we walk away with this weekend with two, maybe three upsets, I wouldn't be massively surprised. I think the Blues will absolutely pants the Western Force. And despite not having Richie Morgan, the Crusaders should also cruise to another win. But man, there's, there's some interesting odds in there, Smithy.
1: There are interesting odds, and, you know, I've been talking about it for most of the week, and I'm I'm still looking forward to it. Uh, the Highlanders, 1-8, and eight, visiting yeah. Suva, and the Fijian Drua, uh, Alex, who have not been home, never played there as an entity themselves. Well, I think that's a bit of a lion's den scenario here for Tony Brown and co.
0: You wouldn't want to go in there. The, the record they've got, the way they're playing at the moment, and a Fijian Drua side that, like Moana Pacifica, just grow in confidence the more time they have together and the more that they play with each other. It's it's yeah a really good weekend of footy and I'm I'm probably more excited about this weekend than I was last weekend to be honest. There's some amazing matchups in there.
1: Okay, let's uh, head across to uh, the Warriors if we can, uh, Brad. And uh, I really do. Oh. I almost cringe when I, I when I bring this up, and you'll know why. Uh, most blokes would. Uh, <laughs> Chanel Harris Tavita played with a ruptured testicle. Uh, well, we've heard oh, the stories of uh, Buck up. Shelford and Ross Ross Taylor, and I, I almost cringe when I ask you what you make of
2: this. And he didn't miss a tackle, Smithy. And when you consider they missed about seven thousand tackles in that game, that's a pretty impressive uh, performance from CHT, who's probably been one of the standout players this year. Um, I'm on the shelf now for five weeks and no man would blame him for that. Some of the, um, I have been in the unfortunate situation where I've had a similar, similar injury and it's not, not comfortable by any means, but like, I think it's testament to the type of bloke that Chanel Harris-DeVito is. He's playing for his contract this year. And on a night when the team across the board was an embarrassment, kind of puts a shining light on him playing through that pain. And I'm sure, earn some kudos from the coaching staff as well um, and hopefully i think down the line he ends, he ends up getting a warriors contract as well although word is that that might not be happening but yeah um, I, I just think big props to him for soldiering on and playing what 46 minutes with a ruptured testicle
1: Whew. Well, that include that includes being in there at half time and not did he not consult with someone saying i'm not feeling 100% down there would you mind oh god
2: well apparently they looked at him for a couple of minutes and um and he kinda of told the trainer now look I'm I'm all good. It's probably just I'm probably just winded and played on and uh yeah, um oh, a, a crazy story and and uh, again, as I said, just shows the toughness of the young bloke.
1: Okay, let's uh then uh, look at their prospects, uh the Warriors this weekend, because all of a sudden without him, confirmation he's out for a month, they become very thin in the halves and I believe Sean Johnson is the only fully fit one in that bracket that they started with, uh, and Sean Johnson was uh, anything but flash last week.
2: Yeah, look, uh, and they've got, what, the young North Queensland half, um, Dejan RC I think, I've, I don't look at my, I'm sure Chappie will cor- correct me on, on, on that pronunciation, uh, but, uh, what, he's trained with the team once this week, and now he's uh, in, in line for his debut, and, and you're right, Sean Johnson had a night to forget, but I mean, they all did, right? I guess you've got to the line through that game and realize that you're just not at the level of, of a top four side like Melbourne storm i mean you're not a 60 point worse team than them but um you know at the same time maybe let's put a line through that well i think the warriors have to anyway but yeah uh a bit, a big 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 night for sean johnson canberra aren't exactly flashy this smith you know, i think that's the advantage the warriors have going into this game as they're playing another team that is really low in confidence and has actually been really poor this season um, again, their, their 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 roster is, is fairly decent Canberra's, but their players have, have played it to deceive all season. So that might be the silver lining, is that they have a chance to get back in the W column. If they don't win this game, then I think we can write off season 2022 already, um, which is a shame given they're uh, five or six weeks from returning home uh, for the game against the West Tigers.
1: Yeah, it's vitally important they stay in contention for at least as long as that. Totally agree with you uh, on that one. Hey, uh, Alex, the the Blackfairn Sevens, Return to the World Series this weekend. i have been sitting, watching uh, uh, from home for various reasons, but it's nice to have uh, the crown jewel in the series back and one of our Blue Ribbon teams all of a sudden back in action as well.
0: Their first World Series event in over 800 days. I- imagine that. The fact that their only real tournament since this whole pandemic began was Tokyo is mind-blowing. And as you say, Smithy, one of our, our leading teams, one of our most successful teams, the current Olympic gold medalist they've dominated that World Series in recent years. It, I, I honestly can't imagine barely playing for 800 days. That's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's unfathomable. Um, but you wouldn't want to play them, would you? Despite the fact that you've barely been playing, no. you'd still be putting a bit of coin on the fact for them to win the tournament this weekend, wouldn't
2: you? I mean, can we just call him oh, one thing—the coach and waiting for the black ferns? Can we just like come out and say that? Like, what is he—the cultural development officer or something? Like, come on, guys, <laughs> yep. let's just call him the coach and waiting, please. Well,
1: it, yeah, it cultural be, and uh, leadership manager. Yeah.
2: What is that?
1: You, you carry right. on. Yeah. What? What is? What does that tag actually mean to you, Alex? To be to be perfectly honest, uh,
0: to me it means holy hell. Is it that bad? Yeah, I. I somewhat disagree with Brad I don't think he is going to be completely the, the coach in waiting because the reason he stepped away from this very good Black Ferns 7s team and environment as well an environment which he led and helped build alongside the likes of Sarah Hidany, um, was because of the travel so if the Black Ferns are to start playing more overseas in particular um, now that COVID has kind of died down a little bit then I'm not sure if he'll sign on for that but if, if their schedule remains somewhat similar as it has over the last few years in terms of playing only really three tests a year overseas. And yeah, he he probably will be the next Black Ferns coach. In terms of his title, the fact that that was mentioned more in that review um, than Glenn Moore, then I think they, that says that he needs to go in. He needs to probably judge a few things up. And also he, he knows a lot of these players from their time with the Black Ferns 7s as well. And also albeit a really short time, also with the Chiefs as well. So um, he's going to be a real key cog, almost that behind-the-scenes person, I think. And and it just allows Wayne Smith and Sir Graham Henry to have another pair of steady hands alongside them so they can just focus on the on-field stuff.
1: Mm, Don't know much about uh, Whitney Hanson. Uh, Alex, have you got any background on Whitney Hanson? No, obviously daughter of Steve Hanson, but... Uh, this has been a bit of a sneaker for me to come through and all of a sudden have this kind of spot because if anyone's a coach in waiting, surely it's Whitney Henson. Isn't that the way things are progressing?
0: I think so. And I think that's what we need to be seeing more of is is women's coaches coaching women's teams. We talked about it last week with the White Ferns, the fact that New Zealand cricket have the preference of a female coach with the White Ferns. I think New Zealand rugby, while they may not say it, would really love to have a female coach as the next coach of the Black Ferns. And Whitney Hanson has got there on far more than her surname and the fact that her father is one of our greatest ever coaches. Apparently she is a magnificent thinker of the game. As you'd expect, she's probably had it absolutely drummed into her, whether she wants it or not, from a young age by Sir Steve Um, and and he speaks incredibly highly of her in terms of her rugby brain as well, so for a man that doesn't give out too many compliments, you you, you take that with a a tip of the cap
1: Yeah, an interesting one uh, for me, that one Brad and uh, we'll just, uh, we'll we'll keep it going um, in that respect uh, and keep our eyes on uh, what develops out of that squad going forward because they're running out of time. Two issues uh, two interesting individual issues overseas that weren't on the original list for us to talk about fellas, but Phil Mickelson's uh, departure, it seems, uh, Brad, from the PGA uh, for just a, a, a trifling sum of 42 million New Zealand dollars as a lure to begin with. <laughs> 42 million, I hasten to add. <laughs> will it split the Will it split the golfing world?
2: Well, what has he been called this week? Like a rat in the drainpipe, or something? Like, uh, yeah. Um... Look he, he's been touted as been has been quite keen to take this payday right from the get go where the other players are dropping out like flies. He always seemed to be trying to push some of the players in that direction, which is no surprise given he's at the uh, sort of end of his, his career. But forty two million dollars would be hard to turn down. I mean I'd struggle to turn down forty two dollars to come on this panel smithy. So like uh yeah, you know, like um, I could definitely see <laughs> I could de- I could, I could definitely see um his reasons for it. Um and but I mean, are they going to be able to draw any other names? I see Sergio Garcia is potentially linked as well, and uh, Lee Westwood guys that are kind of again towards the end of their career. But I, I guess the world stars that we know, the Speeds and the Brooks Kepkas of the world, probably won't be part of or won't be part of this event, and they've already confirmed that.
1: Alex uh, Ben Stokes, captain of all England and Test cricket, uh, so two Kiwis will be walking out to toss. On June the second at the Hello Death <laughs> of Lords, uh, this will be an interesting one for a guy who looks uh, for a guy like uh, Ben Stokes, who's already already lived a
0: life in the media. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, the fact that Blows apparently gets paid forty two dollars for this panel—that's news to me. So I'm going to have to I build a producer for that
2: one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <Jimmy>. I, I, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ben,
0: ben Stokes was the obvious option, wasn't he? The, it, I'd, I'd say a few months ago, Broad and Anderson's names would have been in there, but they seemingly have somewhat of a bit of a tarnished relationship with the ECB now after being dropped for that tour of the West Indies. And no doubt that Anderson in particular will be a really solid comfort on and lieutenant for um, Ben Stokes. I don't think he'll do it long-term. He he won't do it like we see with Williamson here, for example. I'd say he's maybe been told... Hey, just get us through to the next ashes potentially and then we'll reassess. And it gives them time to to bring some guys in, blood them, and have guys who, who are leadership options consistently in the team. The one that often gets flown or thrown around and has been thrown around, uh, particularly by UK press is Sam Billings. But Sam Billings has played one test and he had to drive you know across Australia to be able to play in that one test. So if they can get someone like a Billings consistently in the summer like a Johnny Biesto regularly being out of play and, and knowing and understanding his role. And I think that's what the real key timing of when Root got appointed was he was in that team. He was no longer being chopped around as does he bat, uh, does he open? Does he bat three? Does he bat four? Does he bat five? He was in that team as a genuine um, option at number four. He understood his own game as a batsman. And we've seen him reap the benefits as a result of that. they the, the next captain of England, after Ben Stokes, needs to understand their game. And Ben Stokes obviously understands his at the moment. He's, he's the best all-rounder in the world.
1: Alex Chapman and Brad Lewis have been on the panel this morning at uh, the high cost to us of 84 bucks, fellas. As uh, they say in the old days, the cheques in the mail uh, but don't waste too long at the letterbox. Thanks very much. We'll have another one on uh, Monday morning. Time for a break here on SENZ. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. ba 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 Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.